Hello beautiful people today I'm Jyotiranjan here with the third episode of second season of People's History. Today we have with us Philip Cadena. Hey Philip. Felipe. Hello my friend Jyoti how are you man? I'm good man how are you? It's almost past midnight but uh, I'm happy to hear from you um station. Yeah man all is anyway and I'm glad to listen from you. So how's the situation and everything? How are you by the way? I'm I'm good fine. Thank you very much. So uh, first of all to introduce myself. My name is Felipe Canena. Yeah. Um I am a born and raised um, capital boy from Colombia, Bogota. And I currently I'm working for the industry of tourism in one of the biggest uh, tourist touristic agencies here in Colombia. and but the situation the current situation worldwide it's not helping the the touristic sector and i think it's one of the most affected ones um since the crisis began uh, last last january right yeah it reached different countries in different times yeah so when did this crisis reach colombia um i think the first case was diagnosed on the first week of march and we've okay. been in quarantine since the 20th or 21 of of uh, march until now and it's going to be until the 27th of april so almost okay. 40 days yeah and the numbers have started falling coming down of new infections um actually not i think Uh, they are they they have not stopped yet and i've been talking with with my friends who we are very involved with the theme right now and we actually think that it might be um, difficult to control the situation here in colombia since my concentration of the mm-hmm. of the virus is located since it is a big city and most of the cases are are here so what they are trying to prevent it's keeping the virus to in spreading to other cities so and the the problem is that it, the virus may get a second a second peak on you know on, on infections and so i think that's that, that's what happening in other countries that they open the quarantine because the number of cases uh, were coming down and after they they went up very quickly again i don't know if you if yeah, the yeah. cases in india it's similar or what it's happening there yeah, so in india it's still under quarantine for instance we had a lockdown on march 21 march 24 something like that and we had mm-hmm. a 21 day lockdown uh, but day before yesterday our government made three because the in these two, first 21 days the numbers of new infections haven't yet uh, started dropping for instance uh, in the initial days it was doubling in the number of infections new infections used to double every how do i say the total infection cases used to double every 2 3 days in every yeah. first it was 6 days then one big event happened in delhi near delhi where a lot of people came from different countries and many, many came from india So mm-hmm. someone brought it from Malaysia and after that the numbers started doubling every 3 days. Now finally the numbers are doubling in every 6.2 days. Uh because it is still doubling 
that means they have not controlled the rate of increase so that's why they extended it to may 3 but mm-hmm. uh, we don't know whether it will all be over after may 3 uh, the government right now plans to open the key sectors of the economy after that exactly for yeah. Inst- uh, yeah because our economy right now is totally under zero we are, mm-hmm. are we are not doing any economic activity only essential activities are being undertaken on like medical banking these things because without money people can't do anything so banking sector is running like as of normal all the people who are working in the banking sector they report on job every day similarly doctor police civil how do i civil servants bureaucracy they are all reporting to job but the vast majority are like staying home also the education sector and all they have started resuming using work from home applications uh some of them are not always secure so yeah that's how it's going we are trying to do things but uh after Ma- may 3 it won't be like open for all after may 3 i think it will still be they would be how do i say open a few places where there is no case at all where there have never been any cases they might isolate those areas from the places exactly. that have and places not- that can't conglomerate many people um because they are applying this social distancing as we are seeing it in other yeah. countries so we have this problem here uh, too that um they are not trying to open many places that uh, could handle more than you know 20 50 people in the same place only f- mm. it's gonna be i think it's gonna be on the long term uh, since we maybe can go back to the normality yeah when i think it is going to take a long time for it to be over eventually because they are saying the vaccines might come by october or something exactly since many people are investing the research for the vaccine it might come probably quicker than thought although although if this virus is like the other one like sars and this it might get like uh, every period certain period of time Seasonal. six months one year yeah. and regenerate mm. and come back as you know as a flu back as a flu normal flu yeah uh, just like a seasonal seasonal flu uh, but stronger mm. this is the problem yeah but Jyoti, do you believe so, that, uh, yeah. the virus actually came I mean, it went out as an accident in the lab of China, Wuhan. Uh, to be honest, I don't know anything, man, because this is watching a lot of news. Yeah, uh, I know there is a lot of like fake news going on, but also, so what I try to do is I try to understand the reasoning that they're providing, and I try to check the facts that they're providing. So right now there are like two. No, there are not two sides. There are many sides of the story. Exactly. And each side has its own tale. And even, for instance, uh, uh, how do I say, the bad thing that it was there in the wet market, uh, yeah, it is the one we all decided to agree upon that, yeah, that is the source. But each day there is something new coming up. And if someone, like a key person from the US government, endorses one of the other sides, it gives credence to that side then. And then, yeah, it goes on. I think we'll know the truth maybe many years later when everything is like how do i say settle down and yeah and people are able to speak more freely yeah, because how do i say when the war is going on nobody reports the truth 
only after everything is over people tell come out and say ah yeah we did all this yeah so right now we may not know the truth exactly but yeah we need all the information to find the uh, vaccine or a cure as soon as possible so yeah as long as we get that thing figured out first that is priority number 1 and once it's done and how do i say once we settle down yeah then we can have a proper investigation as in who is the culprit mm-hmm. <laughs> how did it come into being and all yeah so to be honest i'm like i don't know but yeah sometimes we get very strong arguments from one side and it's also convincing right it is so it is when as you say every government uh, is trying to handle things uh, like they can and i think maybe global institutions or you know the the world health organization uh, hasn't been able to handle the the situation correctly because at the end the presidents yeah. and leaders of each country and uh, end up doing um, you know what what they think it's better for they or con <coughs> and the institutions yeah. may like a bit of a little bit of you know of power at the end mm. also because who has made uh, how do i say a few mistakes and maybe several mistakes it uh, they have lost some kind of credibility yeah and it's Yeah, and how do I say? But it's not totally uh, what is Colombian government fault? Like you know, like Trump, he he had um, he like kind of quit it on the on the support that he was giving to the World Health Organization, but they were mishandling mm. the information and things about the virus. So he's trying to be mm. you know the World uh, Health. leader now giving up uh, their samples and you know um these things for breathing everything that he can it's not the mm. it's not the best solution that he quits on these i think mm. because yeah. they they lack of credibility like you told us mm. yeah the reaction may not always give us the positive effects right yeah. like our reaction to who does may not give us the right solution or the we need to i guess that even right now it is more important to not figure out the criminal but more important to how, uh, how to solve the crime how to ensure that more more people don't die from it and mm-hmm. uh, how can we prevent such crimes in the future once that part is settled then yeah then we can find the criminals and we can get tagged like oh this person did this this this, this. because yeah but how do i say many of us uh, have like less work right now because only the doctors and they all can engage in such research and everything some people are more qualified and those of us who are like let's say a, there's a journalist and he or she doesn't have much work so they do have the time to actually go for the criminal part like finding out who the criminal is so they also have the right to do it because they cannot contribute in this way but they can contribute in another way which i was just saying that they can do later but if someone has time and all those resources and if they wait then they will lose the scoop because the first early bird catch, catches the worm right so yeah we cannot complain even against them mm-hmm. they have the right to do what they want to it's a very funny situation so philippe come back coming back to everything mm-hmm. so how is the government's reaction and what is your reaction right now to 
the Colombian situation, for instance, how many infections are there to start with? Um, here in Colombia, I th- I might have to check, double check, because I haven't been an eye on the numbers. Uh, apart from global numbers, I think here in Colombia, I guess you know, like a close guess, be about four thousand, four five thousand. The main problem is that we don't have enough, you know, enough tests to to mm. the, to see if there are because they are only on the people that have really hard because this virus is so you know so developed and also so so advanced and the virus can be on other people that are asking so they are not running this mm. test hard symptoms since we took them all like they have to have been in Germany for example that they can test you know, thousand people a day or hundred thousand people a day, I'm not sure. But I think we are mm. almost on hundreds more deaths and probably two thousand, three thousand infections. Very good in the region mm. so far. But me? I think we, we are not I mean we are in the in Latin America after Brazil and Mexico. Because Brazil, it's one of the mm-hmm. worst handle, handling has been the, the president from Brazil. And also in Ecuador, mm-hmm. they had a huge problem, as well as in mm-hmm. Argentina. And they are also in lockdown since the 2nd of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felipe, is your network totally all right? Because sometimes there is a little bit disruption of sound. You are asking me Hello? if my my internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you sitting? Are you keeping the phone in one fixed place? Is the phone in a fixed place, like on a table or something? Or yeah, I'm just um, you know inside my the bedroom and just uh, sitting on the bed and talking with the cell phone in the hand. That's it. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Uh, sometimes Are you going I think to edit, edit this podcast later, or just do you want to upload it? No, 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 I'll keep it. I'll keep it on the podcast. It makes it fun. It makes it more yeah. lively. It shows that we are true king troll, truly. Honestly, we are not um, doing a cut paste cool. and all that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Felipe, uh, you told us like you were born in Colombia and everything. So, could you tell us uh, your life in brief, like? Where were you born? What did you want to be? What was the situation when you were born? And then I'll ask you more questions. Um, well, I think this is kind of a, a question that I have to thought about it through. Um, you know, I, I was born in a good family. Um, one small brother, two years um, you know, smaller than me. Um, we actually had the chance, great chance, of my parents. They made a huge effort. Um, actually, my fathers went to university. They they did their career, and they worked. As my father mainly worked in logistics, and my mother in managing mm-hmm. state small small local businesses. Um, mm-hmm. but we had national schooling. 
is actually a, um, you know international where we had the chance to learn English and also German because it was a Swiss school from Switzerland that had a, you know a school here and I think it's the only one in the country um, so we had the chance to go there from you know from kindergarten until the last grade and as well um, had the chance to go to have a student exchange I did my mine particularly in Germany in Munich in 2010 Germany my student exchange I decided that I wanted to study international relations you know at all. Um, uh, I can't hear you Felipe I think there's uh, some signal issue again I was I was telling that I decided probably to, to study international relations. I'm not, I'm not sure yet, you know, five, almost six years later than I began my career and I finished it two years ago, that I mainly I mainly chose this, you know, this path, this uh, course of, of uh, knowledge because I always uh, try to see myself as a global person and to have like a global kind of influence and apport um, my knowledge, my, you know, all type of knowledge that I could apport uh, with others to form like a more, you know, mm, con consensualized and more like um, not so far away from reality, from what we are as, as persons and, you know, humans connected to, to Earth and, you know, create like this, this idea uh, and try to be influential in, in the whole world and help, mainly help um, equalize people that are not so in good, better conditions. Bueno, I think this sounds very idealistical, ideological, idealistic, I don't know, idealistical. Mm. I'm going to repeat that again so you can it. I know this sounds very... <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, it's perfect. So yeah, it does, it is an ideal thing, it is a bit yeah, idealistic, but yeah. I guess, you know, I guess I haven't, I haven't find my, my truth, um, purpose on life yet. Um, but mm. oh, as far as I know, I, this is what I want to, what, what I chose to be at the moment. But I can tell you a little bit about the future that I think I have it more clear 
you know, because sometimes we think on the past and but we can only live from the present and future is the only thing that we can plan because past we cannot change it. So for the for the moment, man, I think um, I'm gonna try to do you know a master's degree here, a major master's degree here here in Bogota, and it will be on on the uh, it will be kind of in in law and the management of justice like global management of justice and it's gonna be uh, like uh, focused this uh, i wanna <laughs> the the global management on justice so focused firstly in colombia with with an apply uh, with a globally applied because i think the justice is one of the you know biggest arms of the national state that has to be strengthened in order to you know prevent and provide to the other you know society uh, more equal opportunities and yeah i, I think yeah so to study a master's in law you don't need a bachelor's Um, in Colombia? I do. I mean, I don't need it. It's like kind of recommended that you have a, a law a law degree, firstly. But because it's like a specialization, mm. uh, you can also be, be, be I mean, you can mm. also go to other, other sciences, other social sciences. And the program has like mm. kind of more global applied like profit. Mm. I mean, Uh, what did you say, yo? You know, give it because we mean, but what can we? It's, there's nothing much to lose besides money. <laughs> mm. um, because Pardon I know I, I'm just saying that um, I may just give it a try, I'm trying to enter this and see mm. what, what I can do from it. It's a firstly, love fact that we can maybe improve and change the, the management of the justice system here. We have a lot of problems. Uh, mm. Go more regional and then hopefully uh, in a global level. Felipe, uh, I'd like to know a thing. So, is tuition for university education very expensive in Colombia, or is it like state subsidized? How is it? And this one in particular that I am trying to to enter is, of course, private university because here mm -hmm. education it's mostly it's privatized. And so okay. just to give you some numbers, maybe the program a semester, you know, four, six, four or five months of this this um, career, it is around um, $4,000, which is, a, I mean, okay. for me, it's, and I'm, you know, I'm middle, middle class, I am middle upper class here in Bogota uh, with my salary at the moment it's like mm -hmm. well it's this is what it, that is like what I earn 
probably in a year, maybe in 10 months. That what that's what I earn uh, netto without paying any ta any taxes or if I save all my money, that's what I'm, I'm what in from in you know uh, in average what I could earn in maybe in a year, 10, 10 months to 12 months or two five thousand dollars is what I earn in a year. And I have a job and I have and I have uh, health insurance and everything. So for people that mm. maybe 50% of the people that live in Bogota are living under that, mm. um, you know, earnings average or savings average in a year. Mm. Okay, so well, and uh, after that you want to then do all things related to justice. So that is pretty interesting. So do you want to then join something like a law firm or you want to go for international organizations like WHO or IMF or ILO or UN something like that or International Court of Justice mm -hmm. something like that pardon me <clears throat> um, at the first I mean maybe I would try to just um, find some maybe NGO that works here locally and try to get a job with them, fit with them, mm -hmm. um, or as well as there are some other government special, you know, um, organizations. Like there's one that, um, and the name is like, um, like, organize observatory for justice in Colombia or something like that, that they um, like measure how well is the justicial system doing regarding the post-conflict and post-peace negotiations with the guerrilla groups. Um, but, and afterwards, probably, yeah, maybe try to the same, same agency or, or same organizations, try to uh, go a little bit more, more far to other countries to you know, uh, make some conflict resolution or some things uh, regarding this topic too. So, growing up, did you ever, how do I say, come in contact with any terrorist activity or let's say any counter-government activity like a bombing? No. Like never. a small battle or something. In your life, did you ever see or witness anything like no actually me myself nothing here in Bogota but there were some mm. you know some very mm. big um, government and military against uh, the you know, guerrilla groups clashes like in the middle of the city in the center like uh, in the I think it was in the 90s and as well some bombings in the times of the early 2000s here in the city um, I never had, never was near or, and also luckily never, no people that I knew were, were, were also close or something like that, but they happened, it's true. Mm. Mm. So, do you think, uh, because you even came to know that something that, like this happened, it influenced in you in your choice to study international relations and go to study justice, international 
management of justice in future do you think this thing ever affected or impacted you or made you yeah i guess it's it kind of like made me think about it um, maybe at some point that i wanted to do something regarding conflict resolutions i always thought about it that i would love to you know to be you know a transition of peace or something like that um, so yeah probably something um, regarding conflict resolution uh, it has always been in my interest mm. and so with all that said and you want to move ahead with studying this what's your ultimate aim for instance i understand you want to work with NGOs and maybe even then go and graduate up to the level of international organizations if I got it correctly correct me if I am wrong and uh, after that what is your ultimate aim like do you want to do something for your country or do you want to one day run an NGO that handles such things or you want to one day start an international law firm that handles post-conflict situations or something like that what is your ultimate aim in a personal or in a general way Well, I I'm not I'm not sure yet. Maybe best case scenario okay. uh, will be probably mm-hmm. you know having the opportunity to work in you know in a global organization and then and then I don't know I I, I just I, I don't like to think so far yeah. it's very difficult for to think like more than five yeah, years yeah. from now like. especially with this crisis yeah true yeah because how they say thinking too much long term is like basically exactly. everything changes by that time by the time maybe you will change yourself point, or yeah. you have different ideas so, it's difficult to follow you know it's yeah. difficult to follow just a um, um, mm. stiff path uh, you know you have to be flexible on the way at some point yeah. or something but You know, for the for the moment, I think I will begin the you know this program. Hopefully, this year, uh, I will be starting my program, and then it will take me you know two years. And after that, then we can do another <laughs> another good podcast. Podcast, yeah, of course. And so, after you graduated two years yeah. ago, right, from your bachelor's degree, exactly. from your undergraduate course so after that what have you been doing did you go traveling did you work somewhere like you told me you have in a tourism business and one of the largest tourism organizations in colombia but i don't know apart from that have you you must have done many other things right um, yeah after i graduated i was actually by that time i was in israel and the place where the greatest chance mm-hmm. to to meet so so yeah by the time yeah. I, i was there oh just you know volunteering in the hostel and have traveling and you just just mm-hmm. i mean uh, getting to know people uh, practicing languages and to so i think there was the, two years ago in 2010 Again, you know to involve myself in this tourist mm-hmm. without you know even noticing because I got involved in the hostel because I was only looking for for chances 
to keep traveling, to save money, to get to know people, uh, to have a good. I think I, I involved myself in in that one, and I, you know, working for the hostel, and that for you know this very good uh, hostel change, the biggest one in the country from Israel. It was a very good beginning for me to you know getting to know all work opportunities, and then uh, when I came back, uh, you know in in late early you know yeah in January 2019 to Colombia. I just uh, have been working mm. in, in touristic um, activities, you know. So basically, that's been mm. dedicating myself in the in the past year and a half, two years. And besides from that, you know, um, having small projects um, and you know many many ideas. Well, actually, that are had been have been. Hello, can you? Yeah, yeah. And so, which all countries did you visit in your journey outside Colombia? Like, you did tell us, like, you once went to Germany as for student exchange uh, in 2010. Since then, how many countries have you don't... visited? I think they are not more than 20 or 10, mm. I think. But. <laughs> wow, that's a big number, too. So, why don't you tell us about those journeys through these different countries, how you ended up following the story? Because I guess that must be pretty interesting. Moving from one country to another and having. Jody, could you repeat the, the last thing again? I just heard you the, the last part. Okay, so uh, I believe you traveled so many countries, that must be pretty interesting, right? And you could tell us perhaps uh, how you went from one country to another hopping and the great stories and the great experiences yeah, so, you had. You know, during the 2018, it's the year I made my biggest travel and I went to Germany and afterwards I kind of made my way to the middle through I had the chance to, to visit the Balkans region firstly in Slovenia which was probably my favorite countries and so far I traveled and so far the ones that I have visited I think Slovenia it's a great small people are nice and Food is also very nice. I had the chance to try horse. You know, they have all these horse burgers signs wow. around, and I actually didn't 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 believe it was you know like horse burger. I think it was only the name. Until I I went to one of these you know, well known you know like kind of and. Was in fact uh, what? horse. You went to a well known? Indeed, it was very, very good. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I could not believe it. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the Slovenian Alps uh, in the border with, uh, I think, Austria and Austria and India. Yeah, Austria and India. They are very amazing, very good, beautiful. 
work Austria Wait. Austria and and Ita- uh, Italy Slovenia's border with Austria and, and Italy uh, very okay. very nice um, national natural park uh, you know, mountain goats it was amazing very strange called the Triglav and yeah so far it was my favorite country afterwards I was in Croatia Bosnia and Herzegovina I went through Serbia I didn't went to Belgrade uh, yeah to Belgrade <laughs> sorry but uh, I had the chance to pass to some cities on the south uh, when I was crossing to 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 to, to Sofia in in Bulgaria, which was also my favorite place is Sofia. And you know, I also visited Montenegro and Kotor. It's one of the nice, very nice coast city also in, in, in Montenegro, I believe. And afterwards uh, we we flew from Sofia to Istanbul. Uh, we were in Istanbul for like five days also it was my first time in all of the cities, of course. And after after Istanbul, we flew to, and that's where I stayed for three months. After my stay in Israel, I crossed south to the Sinai and visited, or so. And that was the end of my, my big my big big journey so far. I would love. My good friend Jot did that. My plan was to go to India, but you know, for, for problems, and so I had the chance, yeah. which I regretted very, very hard. Um, probably once a month or once in a week, I remember that I couldn't, um, you know, successfully my travel to India because I had everything. I had the, you know, the information you gave me, the context. Um, the yeah the emotion I I I wasn't feel feeling very good at the end so but hopefully I think India uh, will be on my first very very first uh, destinies I have the chance in the future I'd like to travel do visit and yeah and where where would you like to travel me, next? Travel I, I I thought you were you told me times that you would like to come to Latin America, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to especially visit Colombia, Peru, go to Machu Picchu, and uh, I want to also go to all these countries that mm-hmm. are north of Brazil, Guyana, French Guyana, Suriname, all those countries out there. Uh, that part and I also want to go to Chile uh, the only thing is it's very long otherwise I would have taken a motorcycle <laughs> ride from one end of Chile to another end just so happens it is so long I will I know I won't be able to do it it will be physically very difficult but I think I can do that in Colombia or Peru they are not so long yeah and I want to visit all those how do I say the Incas, Mayas, the Tenochtitlan all their pyramids, all their structures, because I remember studying about them when I was like in 7th or 8th grade in India. Uh, I think it was, oh 
which grade was it? It was I think sixth or seventh grade. We studied about the Mesoamerican civilizations, and I was so fascinated by it because it was not bland. Like mm-hmm. when we read about the Mesopotamian and Egyptian civilization, uh, the reading of that becomes very bland. I don't know why. The authors, the way it has been described, maybe so many scholars have written about it that the end result has become very bland because every chef is adding his spice, his uh, ideas like, oh, this must be the truth. So the end result, when I read about Mesopotamian or Egyptian civilization, uh, it's like, okay, but okay. But when I read about Mesoamerican civilization, South American civilization, I'm like, wow. Like even the stories when the Europeans first came, uh, the stories of Atahualpa, the stories of Hernan Cortes, all those, uh, but especially the story of the civilization that existed there, totally fascinates me. And um, yeah, I want to actually go there. Uh, how do I say? Uh, in my grade eight, I think it was, I made a project. It was about the Incas and the Mayans. Nice. And the front cover of my project book in a drink, Machu Picchu. So back then, uh, the cost of printing in India was not cheap, it was expensive. And uh, we didn't have computer or anything at my home or anything. So I used to go to a cyber cafe every day to do this project for my summer vacation homework. Because in India, we have 50 days summer vacation and we get a lot of homework. Like we have 50 days, you have this thing to do, that thing to do. We have many projects to do at that time. Mm-hmm. Like every subject will give you a bunch of projects to do. Uh, like uh, the geography teacher will give you the assignment, see the moon every night and draw it. Uh, how the moon shapes changes from full moon to crescent moon to no moon like that. So if we used to get the black stickers, like black circles we used to cut out of black paper and we used to put it and we used to cut the various shapes of the moon with white paper and stick it on that so that the moon comes out appearing oh it's how it appeared so similarly i had one for my social science classes it was that and that's where my fascination began and for some reason i was more interested in the incas and or the south american civilizations than i could be in egyptian civilization ever so it was like i was for some weird reason i was madly fascinated by it and the fact that when we look at egyptian civilization the image that we get is based on the present image of Egypt, which is like desert and pyramids. I think back in 3000 BC or 2000 BC, Egypt might have been a bit more, sorry, yeah. I mean uh-huh. 3000 years ago, not 3000 BC. Egypt might have been a bit more greener, or maybe 2000 BC, Egypt might have been a bit more greener. So when we look at South American civilization, it's in mountains, there is snow, there are there's greenery, yeah. there are cities and there's mountain in the background. Mm-hmm looks so much more beautiful to me and for instance I love the mountains and the seas and that's one thing that's very common in South America there are mountains and there are seas also uh, because how do I say it I grew up uh, in the western part of India uh, many of the cities that are right next to the oldest mount, one of the oldest mountains in the world and also on the eastern part of the country which has another set of mountains which are very old so these western mountains and eastern mountains in India they are called western ghats and eastern ghats and they are oh, the western ghats at least I know they are older than the Himalayas yeah they are older you say right hello can you hear me Felipe yeah 
yeah so yeah so for some reason i love things uh, i love mountains sure. yeah so that one big reason i'm like motivated to travel i really love mountains and climb those mountains go to machu picchu yeah man so yeah and i also once read the uh-huh. i saw the movie motorcycle diaries of che guevara so yeah and in that it's not yeah. so much about the background scenery it's more about the people so yeah i don't think in modern time we have that luxury of traveling so much like che guevara did but let's say in my life if i ever i'm thrown that opportunity where i have like two years and money enough money that i can have a bike i will take a good 300 to 500 cc motorcycle and i will mm-hmm. uh, cover all of south america like from panama to all the way south every place and uh, after that yeah patagonia always i love patagonia like pampas and you know, from uh, the north north canada to the patagonia would be an awesome trip and you could do it all by land because it's everything's connected from the Yeah and the how Panama Canal how does one cross the Panama Canal How does one cross the Panama Canal is there a underground um, subway below the Panama Panama The problem Canal? is that there is you know a very dense uh, rainforest between Panama and Colombia You can cross the Panama Canal by land I mean there's like a Okay I mean you know, like a way like a bridge I haven't been there but there is but the problem is that you you cannot cross by land okay i mean if you're if you're not you know traveling like a migrant you know uh, or something trying to get to uh, to mexico or something because mm. uh, there is a very very dense rainforest that it's called the darien jungle and actually there is a um like a national geographic document because they they call it like the darien block Uh, because mm-hmm. it's a very you know it's like a block it's impossible to mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to to pass this jungle uh, there are no roads mm-hmm. or anything like that people by by foot sometimes but it's very dangerous because you know um, human trafficking and everything uh, drugs trafficking and the illegalities are are being uh, in that The only part is that you have to fly from Panama to Colombia and then continue your your road. But yeah, you should you should take a look at that at that documental. It's so uh, if you look for Darien block, like it, the word like the name of the jungle, it's it's Darien, and you will have. Huh? And how do I spell it? How do I spell like it? Block Darien Block. The, the name of the jungle it's D A R E E N Darien. No, block, block. block like is B-L-U-C-K. B-L-U-C-K. Block. Oh, okay. okay. Exactly, exactly. It's that, you know, that's like the so the okay. common, you know, very popular name. Uh, because I think yeah. the, the name of the, the name of the documentary oh. is Darian Plock. And so yeah. 
But Jyoti, so to finish, uh, just tell me what what are you up to these days, or what were you doing before the the lockdown and everything? Because I think the last book was back in in December or in Jan November. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was doing is that I was in India on a few projects. I was helping someone write a book and. How do I say? I did my part, but uh -huh. I don't know whether that book will actually come out or not. Because, yeah, if they want, they can publish it still. So my work part, I kind of finished it. And after that thing, I wanted to actually study something in Delhi. But I decided that my previous program, the master program that I was doing at the time, I should focus on that and finish the thesis. So I came back home. I had done good amount of foundation work for my thesis work yeah. uh, because I had studied it for two years already. So I kind of came here for one more project. Uh, it was supposed to be at a think tank, but okay. I realized that they wouldn't pay me for the first three months, and I had to take care of my rent and food. So I thought it is not worth spending money because in India also, like the capital city yeah. Delhi. And Mumbai can be expensive, yeah, uh, especially the rent from Indian point of view. Yeah, because an American who comes, he will say, "Oh, it is so cheap. I can do anything." But from the Indian money point of view, uh, how do I say it? Uh, the rent in Delhi would cost you one around a room would be around two hundred dollars, and I'm talking about fringes of the city, not the main part, because in the main part of the city is as good as New York or. Tel Aviv, the prices. Mm -hmm. It was like a thousand dollars or something. But uh, along the fringes or not so well-known localities, if you go, you'll get a house for like two hundred dollars, and so two hundred dollar goes there, hundred dollar goes food, and so yeah, I'd be spending some amount of money, and back then I didn't have any, so I decided I would finish my existing thesis. So I focused on that entirely, and I finished it, and. I was meanwhile also doing one more podcast. It was in the Indian language, Hindi. So yeah, I've worked on that. I was also volunteering with a, a psychological support group. Uh, I used to listen to people's issues and tell mm -hmm. them, okay, give, be empathetic to them and like that. So yeah, I did that thing. And then I got an offer to work also, like work from home. And that was before the lockdown and Corona. And uh, I, I, the pay wasn't that great. I felt that because five, four or five years ago, when I had my first job, I was earning more than that. So uh, I decided uh, not to not take that job. And instead, uh, right now I'm stuck in the Corona scare, lockdown. So yeah, and I it seems that you were, um, you know. It's 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 the thing that we have to do. Keep always keep your chances to find the way to Yeah, always, man. And yeah, here we go. So, oh, Felipe, can you hear me? Um, no, I was just saying that I'm glad that you yeah, were. Yeah, you're saying something. Yeah, go ahead. You know, keeping yourself busy. And everything, and I hope well, that we maybe we can yeah. see us soon, <laughs> as soon as everything this is is not coming, is going coming to an end, and hopefully yeah. that 
the aliens that... won't invade us. Yeah. Or that's I pity the aliens. I pity the aliens. The wire is quite effective. I'm gonna send you this because they don't have any immunity at all. This news that came up like today or yesterday here in Colombia is not your international, you know, national media media thing. And you know, like this very, very creepy. Lights that were coming towards the Earth, and they were filmed by the ISS, which is the International Space Station. I'm gonna send it to you so you can see it. It's it's very, it's Please. very, very. I mean, oh, me too, man. I just sure, love man. That. Would love to. <laughs> yeah, always interesting, always fun. Atlipe. Do you mind doing another episode chronicling your journey yeah, from let's Germany do it. Fine. to Israel? We will be Second awesome. episode for this podcast. Cool. Yeah, so let me know when we can do it and we'll go ahead and okay. do the part two of this podcast. Chronicling your journey Perfect. step by step. How you went from Germany all the way to Israel and all the way to Egypt. Because I believe you had some amazing interesting stories in Egypt, and you saw so many things, right? You told cool, me so much cool, about Jay. that. And yeah, let's do congratulations it. Congrats to you on your on your podcast. Uh, I have been hearing other people's stories, and hopefully, you know, you will get the chance to meet 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 many many other people from other countries that you you know meet personally, because I think that is one one nice thing about your podcast that uh, you know. The people that you talk to, so it's like kind of a more close conversation. All uh, besides from, you know, because I, 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 for example, I know a friend, but she's from Georgia, and it's the only person I know from that country. It will be nice to talk with her. So I really hope you will have the, the chance to meet many people from many many lands. Yeah, of course. Because the world is very big. Yeah. To make you know nice nice podcast and here some 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 backgrounds yeah. some some traditions and learn about from the history of people from you know all of the countries yeah man that's that was my agenda to start the podcast <laughs> to know more about the people from different parts of the world and to know about places in the world because I was too lazy to read the books so I thought I'll get a person from this country to come on the show and tell me yeah no no what I'm is going on of, uh, you know spacing the computer and um, but yeah it's it's true what you say okay well Felipe then I guess uh, we'll Pause this podcast, first episode of the podcast today. Now, yeah, uh, do you have any book recommendations or movie recommendations? Movie, I mean, first of all, book recommendations. I just finished, you know, during this this time rereading Hundred Types of Solitude, Colombian author Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and prize literature mm. winner in nineteen eighty six, I think. Marquez and his book uh, Solitude. I will totally recommend to every people that come visit Colombia 
because always it might be a little bit difficult or not complete enough to understandable for some and because you know he 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 like speaks about some not not kind of much like concepts or traditions but also words um, that are very very typical but I, I guess if you had had the chance to to come to Colombia and you like this this country very much you will like the book uh, indeed a lot because it's a great piece of work and it's a great author too and it, I think it's, it's, it's his best book although it's a little bit difficult to read no in Spanish of oh. course and I had also so did he read it in English or in Spanish? Alto. Sorry. That's, that's a like Exactly. Uh, I'm saying that's a luxury you can afford because you know Spanish. But, yeah. but most of no. uh, like I don't know Spanish, so I'll have to read I'm... English translation, which may not give me the hundred percent gist of the story. So yeah, I mean, in, in my case, this state. was I think the third time I I've read it, <laughs> and this one was the the best the you know the the best uh, time wow. where I got the chance to understand it more because the first time I was too young I think I was like 15 or something so I and then I read it in school and you know 12 like eight years later and we read it and it's a great book but you can just uh, I will just say that I will recommend 100 Years of Solitude from Colombian author Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's a great book, especially if you have come to Colombia and would like to understand a little bit more about, you know, a fictional um, history of um, kind of like reflects on the country's history um, from a family to live and that it's... Um, You know, I don't know if condemned is the right word. I, I, I'm looking for... Yeah, and that the, the, the story keeps for this family. And besides from that... Um, movies and series I've been seeing I, I saw this one uh, called The Spy which is a Israel, Israeli spy um, oh, you know, okay. which uh, introduces himself into the Syrian Syrian civil and military um, army and he By going to Argentina, exactly. So yeah, by going to Argentina. Series. It's like a Latin America one. again. So for for these times, I would totally recommend that you could see it in, you know, three four days, keeping it keeping it keeping it easy. But it's a very good series. I enjoy it a lot. And yeah, I've been watching some anime too. I'm watching Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if you if you know it. 
Dragon Dragon Ball. You know this. Ah, pardon me. What did, what you don't believe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch it as a kid. Exactly. Goku so and I'm, there's I'm one more guy. All with the funny hairs so and the crazy dresses. Some some old times. Uh, yeah. When I was a child, I loved it, and I think it's one of the you new know, good just to to watch action and some good fights. <laughs> Um, is there no, anything you want to tell our audiences? Or Jotty or or host and thank you again for the invitation and to the audiences just uh, send you big hugs and big greetings from Colombia and anything you would like to to know about uh, Colombia or myself or anything you know probably most south american region i don't know i don't feel myself very much to give you advices for central america or the islands um republica dominicana etc i feel more comfortable in south america so anything you can Ask our friend Jotty to give you my my email or something, and I will be happy to to hear from you. Yeah, you so can you can let our audiences know your email ID. Like my name, and they can write Felipe, to you. And my last name Cadena, which is spelled C A D E N A, the number seven at Gmail. Dot com. Because. Bye bye. Thanks, buddy. So it's no, f cadena f at gmail.com. F c a d e n a at gmail.com. Thank gmail. you so much, Felipe. And. Huh? Seven. Okay. Gmail.com. Yeah. F c a d e n a seven at gmail.com. Am I right? Perfect. Thank you so much, Felipe, and thank you so much to our audiences for listening to us. And I hope it was a great learning experience, and we got so much to learn from Felipe. And in the next episode, we'll be back with Felipe, telling us about his journey from Colombia to Germany to Balkans to Israel, from there to Egypt, and then back to Colombia. We'll also figure out some interesting stories that Felipe might like to share with us. Regarding his climbs to mountains, or maybe staying in the middle <laughs> yeah, of nowhere, think, or something um, like that. I have. What do you say, Felipe? Stories. Um, I will be happy to share them with the rest of the <laughs> audience. It will be my pleasure. Thank you very much, Jati. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Felipe. Thank you, everyone, and have a great evening, or night, or morning, 